Talking rugby, telling stories, rugby picker. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Who cares? Who knows? Why bother? Welcome back. This is BT. I'm here with none other than Reed Ronan. And I'm very excited and happy to chat with him today, not just about him and his life, uh, but a, a current new venture that he's jumped into. Reed, welcome to the basement. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm very happy to be here. Um, excited to talk about neurofeedback and how that connects to rugby, concussions, performance, and you know everything in between. It's right up our wheelhouse. Um, but first. Let's let's dive in and hear a bit about your background professionally, rugby-wise. Bring the listener into the life of Reed Ronan. Okay, I'll uh, I'll start with the rugby just because that's kind of quick and easy. Keep that keep that pretty simple. Um, so I started playing rugby about 11, 12 years ago in high school. Um, started playing, like I said, high school junior senior year got involved with that loved the sport just kind of dove right into it and was there a specific person that kind of got you across the line to really put the ball in your hands not not exactly really it was kind of something that i had always like seen on tv and was like oh i i want to do that yeah, like there's something there's something about that that like i really want to get into and i i've always really loved um so whenever i had seen it on tv i was like I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to try that. And then um, I was actually, uh, it was like sophomore year of high school, and I was like, I'm done playing lacrosse. Like, this is, I'm, I'm done with this. Like, I'm going to switch over to rugby. I'm going to do this. And once I started playing, it was just kind of like, just like a snap. And I was like, this is, this is it. It, it just clicked. Came, it clicked. It was, it was the sport for me. You had the physicality. You had the running. You had like, it was like wrestling on a field. And I like and you get to play offense, defense. Love the compatibility and switch off between that too. So that that was something that really drew me to it. And um, once I started, I never went back to anything else. And where did you play your high school rugby? Uh, I went to Regis Jesuit High School. Okay. Um, so you know, nice Jesuit Catholic boy and all that. Um, Fast forward, <laughs> went to Regis for college. Yep. Let's not forget Loyola Chicago. Yep, that's um, right. I went to college there, um, played all four years there too. I was like a captain coach kind of role, player coach kind of we'll role. Call it a leader. Too. Yeah, big leader in the team too. Um, but something that kind of happened with that, which was kind of wild, is I got a huge concussion when I was in college as well. And that knocked me back so so hard like lights off for multiple weeks um, what type of concussion we yeah so I, I didn't get hit like i so me and another guy we went in on a tackle at the same time i wrapped around we both knocked heads um i didn't lose consciousness but i was definitely loopy for a bit they took me out of the game i ended up playing the next week um just kind of going after it you know doing the same kind of rugby stuff that we do you know and uh, then the week after that, 
I started to have some really bad symptoms, like just serious, um, just feeling so out of it, not feeling in my body, feeling, uh, started to get anxiety with that, feeling really panicky, didn't know what was going on. I had one of my buddies actually take me to the um, urgent care and they're like, you have, um, you have a concussion there. <laughs> so yeah. I had post-traumatic concussion syndrome, which is something that can happen after you have a concussion, which uh, kind of settles in and then it's, it's a form of TBI. So I had a major concussion there and uh, I was like, I, I was pretty like dumb for I would say the rest of that semester well uneducated so. yeah. <laughs> yeah but and because like what you alluded to doing what rugby people do we like to just kind of suppress those things and sweep them under the rug and be tough get back out there but I, I think this experience for you has showed you that's not always the best way correct totally I realized like I I need to stop I need to slow down because this is I'm not okay here. Um, I started having panic attacks, uh, anxiety, dealing with depression. That hit me super, super hard that semester. Um, I was really lucky that the, the semester after that I studied abroad, so I kind of had a little bit of a break, but I played a little bit of rugby with that too, because, you know, as we do. Yeah. Um, but that, that definitely slowed me down quite a bit, and I was the the captain of the team and the player coach at the time as well. So everyone invested. Yeah. And everyone was looking up to me and kind of like, um, looking to me to help lead the team in that sort of way. So that was really tough to like, that was, that was really tough for me emotionally to deal with because I had so, I felt like so much pressure was riding on me and then I couldn't perform. I couldn't execute. I couldn't do anything to help as opposed to just be there. Yeah feel a little helpless you feel like you're just punching a card and trying to get through <laughs> the next training and you just knew it wasn't sustainable exactly but. and you know i was trying to run help run practices and formulate what we're going to do and how we're going to prepare for the next week and i couldn't even like formulate the next sentence i was going to say um so, much less deal with that emotionally yeah. um on top of that i remember like crying at a practice before i got diagnosed with the concussion because i was like just so angry and fed up with the team for how people were acting, you know, how it goes. But Yeah, you um, let small things snowball because you haven't really addressed what's going on with you. Totally. Yeah. So, flash forward, you're here in Denver now. Um, you're, you're playing for the Barbos. Like, where, where does your life take you professionally? Yeah. Um, you've obviously, you know, you had healed from the concussion but continue to play at the club level. Um, tell us a little bit about your professional background. Yeah, so I graduated uh, from Loyola Chicago, and then right after that I moved out to Denver, and I was like, you know, Denver's the place for rugby, so I want to keep playing out there. Um, through that, I decided to um, do grad school at Regis University, where I studied counseling, because I had experienced that concussion and had gone through all that, you know, all that stuff, and was like, I want to help people who have dealt with this sort of thing before because I felt like I didn't have anybody that was, you know, I had people there for me that would help me out, but I didn't have someone, I didn't have like a professional or some something really clinical to help me out um, or at least that I was brave enough to say I needed help with to, to go to for that help. 
Um, so I, I, that led me into the counseling realm. And I was like, I want to help people with concussions. I want to help athletes. I want to be in that kind of athletic kind of performance realm as well as help people with injury recovery and obviously concussion recovery through that. So graduated from uh, Regis University. Um, from there, I was interning at a neurofeedback clinic that I learned all about neurofeedback. Yeah, that's an interesting word. What is neurofeedback? Yeah. So neurofeedback is a form of biofeedback. So essentially what it is is... <clears throat> Sorry, you can cut this here. But um, it's operant conditioning. So what it is is training your brain to perform differently, behave differently with different brain waves, um, behaving differently electrically to help you have more control over your emotions, your your life, and basically your arousal level. So being able to switch on or off, help with sleep, um, anything kind of like that. So essentially what neurofeedback is, is it's a way to train your brain to help create more flexibility and help your brain perform differently and perform at the highest level that it can. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a great way you put it, a retraining of the brain. Um, a lot of times, I think, we grow up in a situation or you know an environment where our brain learns how to react, right? And, and it gets to the point where we are conditioned to react to certain things certain ways. And sometimes... That's good. It's instinctual. It's survivalistic. Whether you want to talk about the benefits of fight or flight, it it still exists. And I think that a lot of people have lived their lives and done the, their brain recovery one way and one way only. And it's the only way they know, and it's their reality. Um, and what you're telling me and what I'm gathering through our discussions are Neurofeedback is a way to almost roll back the clock and kind of retrain the way your brain sends signals to your body um, and, and, and can help you through some of these clinical depressions that we're talking about, some serious traumatic brain injuries. I mean, you and I are rugby guys. We have seen guys go head-to-head. -head. We know what that looks like immediately. Even on the professional level in the NFL, with all these resources, they miss concussions, right? It slips through the cracks. So when you, when you dribble that down to a, a club rugby nature or just something with a little less oversight, concussions are going to happen. That is just something that is fact. And I think what you're trying to do through neurofeedback and, and really address the fact that people are going to go through your experience that you went through the fact that you want to help them is, first off, just admirable. Um, but secondly, I'm, I'm, I love the idea that nothing is permanent, right? And everything can be reworked and retrained. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience so far um, as somebody who's done this type of, you know, neurofeedback work? What, what, what's it like? Um, as somebody asked, what's a session like? Yeah, so I, I do want to cut back a little bit to what you said about how like people grow up the way they do and how they. I mean, like, I'm hardwired. Yeah, for some like, stuff. You're hardwired <laughs> some way, and like, 
a lot of your brain activity is going to depend on, like, A, how you grew up and how you've trained your brain to react that way. Part of it's genetics as well, how your, you know, family disposition has kind of, like, toned you to be in that sort of way as well. But what neurofeedback can do is help kind of retrain those things and help you access different abilities or feelings or you know, just ways of being that you haven't really accessed before. Some people are so, like, hardwired, spot-on, like, go, go, go all the time that they don't even realize what it's like to relax or be in the moment or feel grounded or feel in that zen space, you know what I mean? Um, so, kind of cutting to where you said just now, um, what a typical neurofeedback session looks like. Um, initially, we start with taking a brain map of somebody's brain. So that take that's a quantitative electroencephalogram, which is a QEEG. So I'm taking a map of somebody's brain, seeing where their electrical activity is sitting. Um, takes about an hour to do, but essentially we're we're getting a map of that brain, seeing where their electrical activity sits in different parts of the brain. Like a baseline test. Yeah. Kind of seeing where, where things are starting out, where, where they typically sit in a normal piece of their day. And so then I'll form a protocol, so essentially like a workout plan for their brain to train different brain waves to behave differently in different parts of the brain. Um, so through those sessions, what that's going to look like is we sit down, um, takes about an hour, but first like 15, 20 minutes we're sitting down just talking about how life is going, what's going on with you, um, what's been going on since the last session, have you had any changes with energy, emotions, um, sleep, you know, dreams, anything that's going on that's just different with that. And then taking that feedback into account, I will formulate the protocol, um, the training for your brain as, as we've kind of described. Um, hook you up with a couple of electrodes and then I'll typically have somebody watch some TV or sit with their eyes closed, do a puzzle, read, kind of whatever they want to do to have some kind of light, low-grade low entertainment, but something to just kind of keep them engaged. While they're hooked up, they uh, the machine is picking up their brainwave activity and when their brain hits a certain level, um, of a threshold that I set for the brain for those certain brain waves, they hear a reward sound. So it's kind of these little robot noises or dings or dongs or, you know, kind of whatever we set the program to do. And when the brain receives that reward sound, um, it's basically like the brain getting a cookie saying like, okay, here you go. Good job. You did what we're trying to do. Good job. We're trying to do what we're trying to do. And over time, that brain wave in that certain part of the brain starts to behave differently. It starts to understand what we're trying to get it to do and respond to that feedback accordingly and thus train your brain to behave differently. Positive reinforcement. Right, yeah. yeah. Opera conditioning in a way. Um, so basically you do, you do the right thing, okay, you get the cookie. And that's what we're training the brain to do. Um, you know, the brain is a muscle in a way as well, so it's kind of like taking your brain to the gym where we're trying to, you know, flex and reinforce those certain parts of the brain that need help and tone down places that maybe need to chill out a little bit. Well, I'm glad you answered it with such depth because my next question is, you did some of this neurofeedback for a, a company. Why now? Why go out on your own now? I mean, what is it that 
your practice offers that maybe the rest of the neurofeedback world is is falling short on? Yeah, I I think there's, you know, there's places that do it a ton of different ways. Um, what my practice really specifically focuses on is athletes' athletic performance as well as concussion recovery and injury recovery as well. So <laughs> sounds pretty rugby heavy, right? You know, I mean, you get you get hurt, um, you can't perform the way you used to, or you're dealing with like that emotional suck of. I can't be out with the boys, you know, playing my game or girls, you know, yeah. um, I like mean, doing, doing what you do and, and playing the game that you love to play that makes you, you, and that's hard. Yeah. And, you know, it leads to a lot of other stuff. Like I've seen totally. people break up and, and be totally distraught, right? Like it, it's not just playing know, concussions sports. and injuries, right? right? This is like real life application of when you have these huge up and down swings there's something that you can do if you're proactive if you take this approach to like guess like we said retrain the way your brain thinks and for me i mean it's just it's a lot to to take in i, I think for anybody that doesn't really understand the ins and outs of of this science um and and just brain science in general has been something that's been underserved um, for the longest time and like we talked about a lot like we're trained to just kind of react right and you know figure out what works for you and and, and go with that um, and now only really in the last five to ten years that I'm being generous on that front <laughs> are we normalizing right that this type of work of not just um, you know doing something as as bold as I don't even want to use the term bold as as newfounded as neurofeedback but even counseling which to my knowledge is something else you offer as well yep that's right um, my practice does neurofeedback and counseling kind of a combination of the both but can depend on what a person wants to work on um, you know i really think that neurofeedback is most effective when it's paired with counseling because yeah neurofeedback's going to drum up the stuff and you're you're going to be dealing with all of that you know shit that you've been dealing with but the neuro but the counseling is the way to kind of process that kind of work um kind of an analogy i like to make is like neurofeedback is going to give you the keys to open that door but the counseling and kind of working through those issues is going to be that help to help you walk through that door mm. because it has to be your decision at the end of the day absolutely yeah absolutely um you know another thing about neurofeedback is it's most effective when somebody believes that their brain can change that they are invested in that effort to change their brain and change their life you gotta have faith i mean it's a, it's a used word it's a word used in religion but in reality i mean faith is just kind of like this undying belief right that that can't be extinguished um, no matter what's presented and like you said the sometimes your body actually needs you to be all in and push your chips all in and have your mind really say i cannot improve unless i believe that i can improve and that in itself is is pretty it's it's just a big um thought process to take in and, and it's it's a big leap for anybody um, but I do want to pivot. Why yeah. Why is it important to empathize in your line of work? I mean, 
you and I have a friendship dating back many years, but I've always known you as somebody who is just so capable of connecting with other human beings. Where did you come up with that skill, and, and why is it important in, in what you do? Oh, that's a... That's I a flattered tough, you yeah. a bit. You see that? <laughs> I flattered you, and now you're shocked. Totally. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't felt like I've always been that kind of way, um, that I've been such an empathetic and, like, um, people person. But through the schooling that I did, as well as kind of, like I said, dealing with that concussion, that really kind of connected me and grounded me to the human experience and how every person leads a different life. Everybody has a different story and that story is worth being heard. You know, that, that story is worth um, telling as well. And I, I've always wanted to help people, I would say. Um, always been connected with trying to better somebody else or better myself in that way too kind of you know we're always trying to bring each other up right? i mean i feel better when i help people so totally i mean everybody it's does, a feedback right? loop that <laughs> makes a lot of sense yeah every everybody does but it's it, it it's a tough thing to kind of to dive into and where, where i'd say i kind of learned the most of it was was through grad school work and kind of learning to be empathetic and and build that kind of caring piece of it you know some people are born with it some people never really feel it and that and that's kind of hard too because it's not it, it is something that you can train but it's not necessarily something that um is easily trained or learned yeah and you know really it just comes down to being curious just really wanting to learn about somebody else and caring for what they have to say and being interested in them in their story that goes a long way in empathy, <laughs> connecting with the individual. Um, you know, I I told you before we got on the mic here that I, I've seen a lot of behavioral change, I think, amongst young athletes since the pandemic. But is there anything you've seen in the counseling world and in your new work with neurofeedback where, yeah, post-pandemic, I think people are handling things a little differently. Um, can you kind of comment to that and, and what you're seeing right now amongst the market, so to speak? Oh, abs absolutely. I mean, I think that the pandemic in general just made a lot of people more aware of their mental health, just a lot of more of that solitude. And, you know, in that, in that time period, we saw such a rise in people dealing with anxiety, depression, and really being able to confront those things and actually like give that the time of day that it needed to have yeah um what, what i would say with what i would say to that is post-pandemic people are just more open to talking about their stuff and being able to process and work through that and i think that's wonderful i think that's great um you know there's a lot more that we can do and that needs to be done with that but i would say just kind of acknowledging that presence that it's there and that can only make you stronger is acknowledging those things and helping deal with that in your own way because you know feeling your entire range of emotions and that whole span of who you are and what it means to be human is what makes you human 
and just shutting things off or you know cutting out those emotions in your life that you don't think serve you like feeling vulnerable in some ways or feeling like um, you know you're not the tough guy or whatever like acknowledging those things is so important because that makes you more of yourself it makes you more complete because it, it just brings everything together and makes you kind of more flexible being able to feel that entire span of those emotions and that whole wavelength if you will so what is it that drives you to do the work that you do <laughs> i mean i'm hearing that you can help people and and i know that the world is littered with people who have very, very poor mental health, whether it comes from a particular traumatic event or just in general, like, you know, shoving it down, not addressing how you feel, not being able to access um, empathy regularly. Um, like, yeah, it's a two-part question. I mean, totally. what, what drives you to do the work you do and... Um, how do you see yourself kind of putting a dent in this whole, you know, crisis of, of mental health that we've, we've seen kind of come in in a tsunami, so to speak, since the pandemic? Totally. Um, you know, I, I want to preface that I've always had a passion for sport and that... You're a competitor. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. To I say. love competing. I Anybody love watches you play flanker and just <laughs> charging line after line. You and you and your brother Donnie like play the sport like no other. Um, so I'll just say that for the record. Like Reed's a competitor. Ronan's our competitors. Yeah, I mean, we like to fight. You know, that's like I feel like there's a lot of guys that like to fight too. And there's nothing wrong with that we at all. It. We need it. You know, we need we need to get that. We need to get that. Um, everybody needs an outlet. You know, everybody's got to get their stuff out some way. Um, so besides being such a, having such a passion for sport, for competition and seeing somebody succeed and drive for something that they want, like I love seeing somebody just like push for something that they really want. And, and that, that's just like incredible to see somebody actually like achieve something that they've worked so hard for. I, I love that aspect of it, but there's also kind of, um, kind of the duality side of that or not even duality but just kind of a, a pivot to that as well of you know there's so many men in our world and so much of our culture that like you said pushes down that empathy pushes down those feelings pushes down all of that stuff that gets drummed up and they're like don't deal with that don't deal with that push that stuff down it'll and, make you weak yeah, yeah but in reality it makes you so much stronger because you're able to deal with that and you're able to confront those sort of things. And that's really what I what, what drives me is I want to help and push a lot of those young men and those boys too in that kind of way that they are they're not afraid to kind of deal with those things or address those issues that come up with themselves. And they they can deal with their stuff in an appropriate and healthy way. Um, and I'm not just trying to limit this to athletes as well. You know, it's not just athletes that deal with this kind of thing. I'll, you know, a lot of our realm and what we deal with is those like, you know, these tough guys that want to like push and fight and like, you know, get through that hard stuff in their physical kind of way. And 
you know, that's all good and fine. You know, I'm a huge proponent of that. <laughs> like I said, everybody needs an outlet. But, you know, every single person, whether you're an athlete or not, deals with that kind of stuff. Uh, man or woman, whatever it takes, you know. Um, and, and everybody deals with that sort of thing. And, and it just needs to be addressed and needs to be accepted to be able to come forward with and say, like, I am struggling with this and I need help. And there's nothing wrong with needing help. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's classically human to ask for help, to lean on each other. There's no shortage of humans in the world. And, yes, there are nefarious people trying to take advantage of humans all the time. But I like to think, on the whole, we help each other. And <clears throat> the goal here of just normalizing the conversation of how do you feel? Because we're very sentient, complex creatures. Right. And I mean, Our, there's. My blood pressure could be great. My heart rate could be great. You could look at me and be like, oh, he's got a great body mass index, but I could be fucking miserable. Totally. In my head. Yeah. You know, I, I, I asked it's this, about It's about yeah. the connection. It's about that brain body connection. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about making those things be cohesive. Yeah. In that sort of way. And the spirit, too. Like, you know, that, that, that is also involved with that as well. And let's not put aside the fact that now we're kind of pivoting back to the athlete here. Um, your athleticism, your athletic career, it will only last so long. Even the best players, I say rugby-wise, if you don't really count high school and college, like if your career starts at 21, the really good ones will play for 10 to 15 years. The average blokes will be 5 to 8. Um, and, and you're lucky to just get any, to get a full season of rugby and in general is a uh, blessing, right? I mean, so true. How many broken fingers, broken ribs, concussions, twisted ankles have just like shortened a, a player's season, right? It's, or even just limited their capacity to perform or execute in the way they want to. And therefore way. kind of hammer down on their mental being because they're like, fuck, I'm only at 65% right now. This right. sucks. I'm only 65% of me. Yeah. Because I'm not 100% an athlete or 100% rugby player or whatever that, or hockey player, you know, whatever that takes. And how are the other guys seeing me? How's my coach seeing me? That's, that's huge. Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to understand, like, yeah, I'm like 100% a rugby player, but I'm also 100% a human too. And I'm also a percent, 100% a, a man, um, you know, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Like, you are so much more than just your profession or what you identify as as an athlete. You you are so much more than that as a human. Yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with like reinventing your identity. I've done it multiple times in my life. I love it. It's like it's it's a man's version of of a full makeover, right? It's like totally. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you have to like give up part of yourself or like that part that is no, it's growth. rugby or whatever. Too, it's growth. It's expanding yourself and growing in those ways that understand like I can be hundred percent this, but I can also be hundred percent this too. I love it, man. What's um, what what does the future hold for you? So if you're listening to this right now and you're Denver based, you could probably reach read through your website which is yep so i my my company is ronan neurofeedback and counseling my website is ronan nfc.com r-o-n-a-n nfc.com yeah <laughs> and 
if people, you know, even just want to reach out to you who aren't Denver-based but want to know more, uh, reach out to Reed. You can find me through the website. You could probably track his ass down on Instagram or, you know, the socials here and there. There is only one Reed Ronan. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up um, this combo, I, I wrote in our show notes, um, open-ended discussion. Um, I'd just like to ask you a bit about, you know, one of my favorite, aside from Barbo 7's, uh, traveling 7's teams, uh, your, you and your brothers founded the Scallywags. Oh, yeah. Tell me about the Scallywag rugby. You're about the Scallywags. Okay, so um, me and my brothers, Donovan and Logan, we started the Scallywags in 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. Uh, basically just a traveling competitive, uh, sevens and beach rugby side. Well, we've done a bit of 15s as well too, um, that we like to do. And that's really just basically inviting guys that we know embody that rugby spirit who just want to, you know, I want to say fight and pummel. Yeah. And well, like, you know, a like, scallywag is a word for a pirate. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Word totally pirate related, you know, lo- love that, love that scallywag kind of mentality, but it's just kind of, uh, you know, you're, what, w- what we love in, in our, in our team and the guys that we like to invite to play with us are guys who want to fight for the guys around them. They're the guys who want to play for the brothers around them and the men who are laying down their bodies to, serve this greater cause, right? It's for the greater cause of rugby. It's for the cause of the game and the cause of, you know, wearing that jersey and that same colors of that guy next to you. And I think that's just, like, something so fun that we do. Um, You know, it's kind of like a fun thing we do in the summer, but we're we're trying to bring it up a little bit, too, and kind of blow it up. But it's, uh, you know, we competed in Aspen last year at the Aspen Rugger Fest, so that was pretty fun. You know, oh, yeah. You, you, like, it was just... I remember the 8 o'clock game where you forgot to fill out your paperwork. <laughs> oh, the paperwork. A, a six-minute stall <laughs> in there, but we'll forgive you. Yeah, we're not yeah. necessarily, like, the most, like, punctual or, like, you know, um, like, organized in that sort of way, but... You know, like I said, it all comes down to what's on the field. Yeah. And, you know, I know we gave the Barbos a run for the money, which was wow. kind of fun. Halftime we were up, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but, it's, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a fun thing that we do that um, we really enjoy and that we, we have liked to kind of bring guys from all across the country, the, US, the United States, together. Um, we have guys from Florida, from Chicago, from California, from Texas. Um, I have a guy from up in Montana. Uh, just guys that, um, you know, love rugby and, and we know who are guys who want to lay their body down for the guys next to them. Uh, and that's something that, that we do together, which is really, really fun. Yeah. You're not gonna, you know, just slip your way through three Ronan brothers. Like if you pass the sniff test with one, you got two twins waiting for you who are also going to eye you up and down. So, um, Man, this is really fun. I, I appreciate you coming over. I appreciate you talking about this because, like, this is going to live on the Internet. And um, hopefully anybody that enjoyed this conversation or thinks that neurofeedback is for them um, is going to reach out to you. But I guess one last question is, like, you know, how, how do you see yourself, you know, what does the future hold for you, for growing the business, for everything? Yeah, I mean – just kind of starting out right now, so getting getting the ball rolling, which I'm really really excited about and really pumped for. Um, I would just love to have more clients and more people that I can help, and you know, try to grow this message that I'm trying to grow. That you can be all of yourself. Um, 
even if you've lost part of yourself in that way too. Um, so really just kind of growing the business, hopefully getting into working with some professional athletes or professional teams, uh, one day, that's something I would really love to do. Uh, you know, it'd be awesome to work with like the Eagles one day or something and like get, get everybody kind of get their brain tuned up and feeling ready to go and feeling really switched on and, you know, like they can feel like the ultimate performer that they really am, uh, that they really are. So that's kind of what, what I hope to someday is to work into the professional realm uh, yeah. and help, you know, not only like these kind of youth athletes, high school, college age kids and, um, you know, kind of that club level too, but also kind of progressing and propelling up to the, up to the pros and people who are trying to get to that ultimate performance as well. We know how high, high stakes it is, um, for, professional athletes to just perform week to week. So there's right. probably a lot of work to do, um, on the, the brain health front. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this chat, um, head to Reed's website again, that's Ronin NFC.com. Um, until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for enjoying this conversation between two gentlemen. Reed, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, can't wait for the next one. Pick him! like I'm gonna switch over to rugby I'm gonna do this and I've always had a passion for sport just normalizing the conversation of how do you feel I flattered you and now you're shocked <laughs> totally um Started to have some really bad symptoms, like you and your brothers found it the scallywags. Oh, yeah. Guys that we know embody that rugby spirit just really and fight.